We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubs at the Club, the Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I am your host, Dallas Hammer, joined today by producer seducer, Martin Heemstra. Hello. It's nice to be back. Get on the show. There we go. Nice day, guys. Also, We've got Brian Marceau. Brian, how's it going on the other side of the border? Well, it's going well. Comment thread already uh, already active. Ryan Phillips letting us know that Eastern's biggest barrier this year is that they don't have Barrier. Hey, I like that, and I see what you're doing there, Ryan. But, no, dude, things are going well. Uh, season's closing out, man. We only have three three football game, regular season football games left and maybe playoffs. But since I'm going to bring up playoffs and games that might exist or already have existed – Dallas, you were on the sideline. We got to get your reaction to the Sac State game. We know you watched it on replay because you were busy having a life, which, way to go. But anyway, uh, the hammer hour, let's say, in reaction to the Sac State game, a.k.a. the hammer not quite hour response. So I have to preface this with I was in Vegas at the time. Uh, I watched this at, I think, what was about 2 a.m., um, there were varying degrees of sobriety throughout the rewatch of this game. So uh, keep that in mind. If I say anything stupid or stupider than normal, it was because I was potentially really intoxicated when I watched this. Um, the biggest takeaway from me was, I know the Sac State has struggled in the playoffs, but throughout the regular season, they have been an incredible team. Idaho almost looked like they didn't belong in the first half. Uh, I, it, to me watching it, it was just, I know it was 17, seven at the end of the half, but it felt like Sac state's offense just did whatever they wanted. Um, I know that Dunaway's passing numbers weren't great, especially when he threw the two picks in the fourth quarter, but it was really refreshing to see Idaho make second half adjustments and come out looking like the better team for pretty much the entire second half. Uh, it's again, I, I, I hate to keep bringing up the old regime and I promise after the end of this year, won't we won't have anything to compare it to. So I won't bring it up again, but historically over the last decade, Idaho has been a team that has struggled to come out of the second half and just good teams look great. Bad teams look good. Really bad teams look okay. That is not what happened. Idaho went out there and held Sac State's offense for most of the second half. Obviously, there was the touchdown to start the third and then the touchdown at the end of the game. But in between that, Idaho had a, a couple of turnovers. They held them to a three-play, four-yard drive. It, it made me feel like, yes, Idaho lost this game, and it's a bummer. We all wanted to see Idaho run the table and win the big sky. But this was one of the few losses that I look at and say, all right, that was a good loss. Idaho played very competitively with a team that is obviously proven that they are very successful over the last few years with Troy Taylor at the helm. Giovanni McCoy, not a great game, 
missed a bunch of throws. Obviously, 300 yards rushing against is not great, but Idaho was in it with a chance to win this game at the end, and that's that is the kind of thing I, I can't be upset at a loss like this because you you look at this and think even on even on a playoff resume, you lost to the number two team on the road by a field goal and and realistically had a shot to win that game at the end. And if you're doing that, yes, a, a win would have been nice, but that's about the best loss you could hope for. And I couldn't be happier with that. Again, Idaho needing realistically two wins to fully lock in a playoff spot. Looks like they should get that over the next three weeks. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but guys, like I, I don't even have a like negative reaction. I mean, you guys said a lot of the same things that I'm thinking in my brain right now. You said them all on the reaction show. If you haven't listened to that, go check it out. I know it's just a good team. There's 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 nothing to pick apart here. This is a good team that didn't play quite as well as they probably would have hoped. It is what it is. You move on. All right. Nobody's got any reaction to that. So, uh, well, Dallas, we. Dallas Hammer, not Martin Hammer, who uh, I did I did bring up in the post game episode, guys. Uh, we we of course recorded the you know about forty minutes or so. Plus, um, I hit a little bit on Idaho Sac State as well in the Big Sky Podcast Network Power Ranking episode. Which from here on out, we're really just talking about the good teams and now starting to bring up stuff like potential uh, offensive defensive players of the years because you know three three weeks left in the season, we don't need to talk about Idaho State sucking. They suck. But we, we've hit a lot on the Sac State game, plus uh, Josh Grisham, guys. He published a late, little bit late column on the Tubbs website. So, again, man, we're hitting you from every angle possible, print and recorded, which is to say, I think we can put Sacramento State to bed, Dallas. And we've got a big game. This Hashtag week. only Tubbs. Hashtag, Jesus Christ. Hashtag only Tubbs. Thank you. Uh, but we've, we've got a big game this week. It's a little bit less marquee now based off of how Eastern's been this year, but uh, it's a chance for Idaho to rebound. It's a chance for Idaho to snag win number six, and that marks towards the playoffs. So I know you do the outline because I don't do the outline. Dallas, who the hell is Eastern? Eastern? Uh, so, guys, we're just going to refer to this as Idaho versus Eastern. I know there's a bunch of stupid names for this rivalry that have been thrown you. around. I got to pause you. I've already amateur hour this. Dallas, when we enter around the bar brought to us by Hughes River Expedition, who the hell is Eastern? I, I was getting there, Brian. Um, so, again, we're just going to call this Idaho versus Eastern. Uh, we're not going to refer to this as any name. This is just Idaho versus Eastern. We'll talk about the trophy on the screen here in a second. This is Around the Bar brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. Eastern Washington comes in to this game struggling uh, is I think a good way to put it. They're two and six. They're one and four in the big sky. They have wins over Tennessee state and Cal Poly. They have a close loss to Montana state. They have bad losses to Weber state and to Sac state and especially to Portland state. And then had a couple body bag games against Florida and Oregon. So they have played just about everybody they've played this year has been ranked in the FBS or the FCS at the time that they played them. Eastern has the just a, a complete buzzsaw this year. This this is a team that the record doesn't necessarily indicate what they are because they have been realistically underdogs in almost every game they've played just based on the strength of their schedule alone. With that said, Aaron Best, head coach, 43 and 23 overall. It's his seventh year at Eastern. 
For those who don't know much about Aaron Best, he has been at Eastern since 1996. As a player or a coach, he took one year off to coach in the CFL and then came back to Eastern the next year and has just been an Eastern kind of guy, as he likes to say it. Last season, Eastern beat Idaho 71-21. Eric Berrier had 600 passing yards, and they essentially killed the Paul Petrino era. This year, they are not that team. Their offense is not particularly great. They're seventh in scoring, seventh in total yards, eighth in passing yards, or excuse me, third in passing yards, but eighth in rushing yards. Um, Aaron Best leaving early for the CFL draft. Thank you for whoever threw that joke in there. That is hilarious. Defensively, Eastern can't stop a nosebleed. They are 11th in scoring, 11th in yards, dead last in rushing, allowing almost 300 yards a game. What Sacramento State did to Idaho last weekend, that's basically what Eastern allows every single week. They are fifth in overall passing yards, but again, you can't they can't stop the run to to save themselves. Um, and I, I don't see any reason that that's going to change, and we'll get into that. Brian, where do you want to go first talking about the terrifyingly mediocre Eastern Washington Eagles? I don't think you can talk about Eastern without just hammering home how bad this team is against the run. Last week against Portland State, uh, top five Portland State guys, a team that when Idaho played Portland State and Portland State was able to run in the first half, our reaction was, good God, how is this possible? Portland State's terrible rushing team. Well, thanks to playing Eastern last week, Portland State, Portland State nearly accrued half of their Big Sky Conference yards on the ground last week against against Eastern, rushing 58 times for 427 yards. They rushed 58 times for an average of 7.4 yards per rush. I'm not kidding that the the total number there of 427. Well, on the season, Portland State on the ground has 925. It's like seriously, it was almost half. It was like their version of Mason Petrino going to Northern Arizona and throwing for 17,000 yards and 25 touchdowns. So. That's obviously going to be a matchup Idaho's going to look to exploit. And it's one of the issues, the, one of the reasons Eastern has struggled the way they have. Yeah, there's the there's the good teams that, that they've played this year, but Eastern struggled against a shitty Cal Poly team, beat Cal Poly by seven. And Eastern was down 35 to seven against Portland State. And the Eagles did come back a bit. This team can move the ball, but honestly, they're just not the kind of team that I think Aaron Best envisioned when putting together this roster, because not only can Eastern not stop the run, Eastern's not a very effective running team, which for a, a former offensive line coach like Aaron Best, that's probably a tough pill to swallow. Credit to Best. He will he adjusts his play calling based off what the Eagles need to do. Like against Portland State, Gunnar Talkington, first year's quarterback, he's been pretty solid for Eastern. He can definitely throw. He can rush. Not trying to bring up Mason Petrino 6,000 times, but, but honestly, Talkington out there, Looks like if Mason Petrino decided to become a bodybuilder, that's what he'd look like because Toggett short, but he's real built. Uh, kind of looks like a running back with his size, his number, and he has the face mask of a running back as well. But after talking about Toggett for nine hours, guys, he passed it 60 times against, against Portland State. For context, man, Giovanni McCoy has only passed it 125 times in Big Sky play total. And Talkington passed about half that last week. So Eastern will react to what the game dictates. So that that does, uh, to me, add a little bit of intrigue. And Eastern is still effective offensively. But there's just no way to, to talk about this team and the lack of success they've had against good teams and against a couple not very good teams 
without just acknowledging, I don't know if we're going to see a worse. Idaho's not going to see a worse r- rushing defense this season. I'm counting Drake, but the only big sky team, even honestly, there isn't a big sky team comparable. If you in big sky stats, if you look at the gap between last place in rushing Eastern and second to last place in rushing Northern Colorado, it's 77 yards per game that Northern Colorado is better. So that it's that is an ocean. The gap between Northern Colorado and being league average is about 70. And that's a 70 plus yard gap between second to last place and last place. So that's honestly Jason Eck and Co. have to be just stoked looking at this team who's going to set them up perfectly to run the ball and just milk the clock. Yeah, this feels like a get right game for Idaho. Uh, obviously, I mean, you don't really get right from losing on the road to the number two team by a field goal. Um, I mean, you could uh, obviously it was so early in the game, but you could have said, hey, if Chavez makes that kick, maybe it's a completely different game at the end of that game. So it's not really a get right game, but this just this lines up for Idaho, guys. Portland State couldn't run the ball and they put up 427 yards rushing last week. This this lines up for Idaho. The weirdest thing is that Eastern has some names on their defense. They just nothing just seems to work. As Patty Furks mentioning Eastern uh in Patty's terms injured to shit. Um that is very true and we will get into that here in just a second. Maybe the biggest one to note uh Anthony Smith, uh former All Big Sky first teamer. He's a defensive back. It's the third season in five years that he's been injured and not able to finish the season. Uh, the, he's probably the best player on the team. He wears number four, which is their their big defensive number. He's not playing. He hasn't played in weeks because, again, season-ending injury. Uh, you look at their defensive line. They have Mitchell Johnson. He was a 2021 All-Big Sky third-teamer. He was first-teamer in the spring 2021. He's the pass rusher. He's got eight tackles for loss. He's got four sacks. He's... Good. He's very good. Um, he's got 34 tackles. There's Joshua Jerome, defensive lineman that was honors uh, honorable mention in spring 2021. He was uh, selected for the All Big Sky team this preseason. You have two like all conference guys on your defensive line, but then outside of them, the, the other end is Deborier McLean. He is injured quite frequently. Uh, hit the backup behind him, Brock Harrison, is a redshirt sophomore that rotates in. Uh, their other starting tackle, Caleb Davis, is out this game. So a sophomore who has 14 tackles on the year is going to be starting. They are they are absolutely decimated by injuries. But you look at the defensive front, to me, there's two guys that are considered all-conference talents, and people are still running the ball all over Eastern. I don't know what exactly the problem is. I don't know if it's scheme. They do have a fairly new coaching staff here, but it's, it's, it's brutal. Uh, Patty Furks jumping in. Jerome isn't 100%. He's been hurt this year. Second best defensive lineman is injured. Again, we're getting the Patty uh, breakdown here because he is the the one Eastern and Idaho fan out in the world. But Brian, I this this just looks great to me. Well, and Brian is pointing to himself, and yes, I like Eastern because Dave Cook, the SID there, was one of my favorite human beings in the world. But long story short, Brian, this 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 looks really good for Idaho. This looks really good for Idaho. And the matchup is definitely for Idaho, a lot of Idaho strengths on Eastern weaknesses. If Eastern's going to keep this game competitive, it's because Eastern's going to be able to score specifically through the air. Gunnar Talkington has been pretty dang solid in conference play. He's the number three quarterback in yards per game at two, 
uh, averaging 278 per game. He's thrown 12 tucks, touchdowns to six picks. The the Eagles also have two of the top 10 receivers in the in the Big Sky, which th- these two guys aren't a surprise. These guys are all Big Sky level talents. Freddie Roberson is the most explosive of the two. He's the number five receiver in, in the Big Sky, has five touchdowns. And then Efton Chisholm, the third, who's uh, – look, he, Chisholm's pretty damn solid too. He's a little bit more of a possession receiver compared to Freddie Roberson, but they're both kind of receivers who they're going to start in the Big Sky essentially no matter which team they're on. So if if Eastern's going to be able to be competitive against Idaho, look, they're probably not – one, they're probably going to need a rough Idaho first half, which we have seen Idaho underperform in the first half against um, a few teams now. Now, I, I'm not going to say un- they underperformed against Sacramento State. Sacramento State's good. But Idaho certainly underperformed first half against UNC and against Portland State. So Eastern probably needs something like that to happen. But the route for Eastern to really – try to sneak a win out of Moscow when at this point, Idaho is probably going to be at least a two touchdown favorite in this, in this game. It's going to be Talkington is able to operate both through the air and get some yards scrambling. And the two, the, those two guys, Roberson and Chisholm, the third, if those two guys are not having big games, there probably isn't a route for Eastern to steal one in Moscow. Even their third receiver, their third starting spot is kind of alternated between uh, Jacoby James and Nolan Ulm. The two of them combined have about 500 yards and four touchdowns. So out of the three receiver spots, they do have a good amount of production. Again, Talkington uh, on the season, uh, not just in the big sky. He's 20 touchdowns, eight eight picks, 2,000 yards. He, he's got pretty decent numbers. That's where they're going to do their damage. It's not going to come from the run game. They have a full committee there. There's three different guys that are getting time right now. Justice Jackson is the starter. He's got 65 carries on the year. Tuna Altahir has 72 carries, and Micah Smith has 44 carries, each guy with somewhere between 250, 300 yards of running. Each guy has a couple touchdowns. The average more than three and a half yards a carry, but it, it's not anything that blows people away. Uh, Micah Smith averaging 5.5 yards a carry, which is a great number, but doesn't necessarily scream he's the, the the guy here because he's the third running back in the rotation in big sky play he's at 7.8 but that's because smith doesn't get that many reps in compared to other starters and to smith's credit of the running backs he's the home run hitter exactly and that but that's the thing he's the the guy he's third on the carry chart here he's he is the home run hitter he's the guy that gets a handful of carries and they hope he busts one but that's that's realistically all he does Has they don't even Ooh, yeah, there we go even their tight end they're their two tight ends this year have combined for 13 catches and about 150 yards. If if you can shut down Chisholm or Roberson or even both, I mean that that's that's how you win this game. You have two all conference talents at wide receiver. If you shut out one of them, Marcus Harris has a good day. You're probably going to win this game by a, a pretty good margin. Now, this again, this is a rivalry game. Eastern could come in hot for this. They have beat Idaho each of the last two games. They're trying to get a third straight win, which would be their first time in decades because again don't not a whole lot of get the damn veggies off the screen guys come on nobody cares we're talking football not basketball until we see some sort of change in that program i just don't care to talk about them i don't care to talk about a coach that throws his players under the bus saying oh, God, the guys last year were terrible you recruited them all i don't want to hear it do not want to hear it it's like paul petrino coming out and being like you know what i got to get a better quarterback he's not going to say that because it's his son but no Stop bringing up basketball. Anybody I love that's that not- you voluntarily just went on like a minute and a half segue. 
<laughs> after i and by the way guys i'm the guilty party martin typed up the veggie update as a joke i as a joke clicked it to make it our to put it on the screen dallas immediately slams it shut and then reopens it for 90 seconds but hey w- let's shift back to the football game man uh that was definitely a joke if you're a listener if you're a listener you may not enjoy it quite as much martin thank you for interrupting me with me uh so another thing I got to hit on with Eastern is surprisingly, now this isn't big sky play too. And this counts having played Cal Poly and Portland state Eastern's actually not that effective a scoring team this year. They're about dead, dead center in the league, averaging under just under 28 points a game in big sky play, which again, that, that we've talked about the, the tough schedule Eastern has, which now as we get later into the season, it's additionally tough in comparison to Idaho because look, Idaho doesn't get a play itself, a top 15 team, but Eastern has had some matchups similar to Idaho. They've also had, had Cal Poly who Idaho does not get. And those numbers are honestly about dead center. So um, I'm not trying to completely write off Eastern because we do know this is a well-coached team. Even if you don't think Aaron best is the best coach in the big sky, because virtually no one does. No one thinks Aaron best is a terrible coach. Eastern's a tough place to be. Eastern's tough in terms of I don't know, kind of the structure of Eastern Washington itself. You know, it's the competition it gets for me, for media eyes in the Spokane area is pretty hefty. Plus now if Idaho is going to be solid, Idaho is starting to get some attention from Spokane media, which, Hey, good news for Vandals. When you win, that happens, but that just puts a further squeeze on Eastern. But we, we know that Aaron best, something that we like about Jason Eck is something, something that we see out of Aaron best. He does let his, um, his coordinators, coordinate he does let them run the show a bit and he certainly is flexible about running the game plan he thinks his team needs both to start the game but also in reaction i'm going to point to portland state again i talked to aaron best at media day he expected his team was going to be much closer to rushing 50 50 or even something like idaho's doing rushing 60 40 well they don't have the guys for it so aaron best isn't doing that he knows that riding gunner talkington is the best chance Eastern has for wins and Gunnar Talkington is he has put together about three, three to four. He doesn't do it every week. He's not Eric Berrier, but Gunnar Talkington, he was big sky player of the week. First week of the season. He's put together two or three other games where he amasses over around 400 yards, counting passing and rushing. So he, he absolutely is a weapon. And he's a guy that if Idaho is asleep at the wheel, like Idaho was at the start of the Northern Colorado game, he can hurt us and he will. He, he's not a guy who he, it's going to floor you. Like when Dylan McCaffrey launches a ball beyond four yards, that floors you. No, Gunnar Talkington, he, he's got an arm and he's got legs. He's a real weapon. He's a guy that you're going to want to have your eye on the whole time. You know, defensive coordinator Rob Orch is doing the exact same thing. Well, and that's, uh, we haven't even gotten to the, just the, the depth of their offense is going to be the issue for them. Uh, specifically their offensive line, Wyatt Musser, their best offensive lineman. He's started for the last three years there at left guard. He's a former all-conference guy. He is not listed in the two deep against Idaho. Apparently got hurt last week. Um, I'd ask Patty or one of the four other people that cared to watch that game. Uh, So their their best offensive lineman is missing. They're replacing him with a guy named Chunk. Uh, Brad Prestigord is his actual name, but his bio on e- on Eastern's website literally just says his nickname is Chunk. So we're going to call him Chunk. Chunk has never started a game and is expected to start against Idaho while they're trotting out a bunch of other guys that don't have a ton of experience. The 
they were more senior laden offensive line last year, pretty young this year. They do have Seth Carnahan, former Vandal starting, uh, didn't play a ton at Idaho and is now so their starting right tackle. I wish him the best, but hopefully he gives up seven sacks this weekend. This is just not, this is a team that, I mean, Gunnar Talkington has to beat you. And Gunnar Talkington is not the quarterback that is going to beat you. He's a fine quarterback. He's a good quarterback, but he's not hes not the guy that's going to go out there and be Barrier, put up 600 yards of offense, and will a team to victory. So, Brian, do you have anything else you want to talk about on the offense before we kind of switch and, and break down the Eastern defense a little bit more? Uh, no, ex- other than to say this is just going to – we know Idaho's secondary is strong. We'll shift over to Idaho in a second. Um, but – defensively for Idaho, how the, how well the secondary is able to to handle uh, Fton Chisholm third and Freddie Roberson is going to be a deal. And look, I, I don't mean this to call call him out. We just obviously saw this ha- happening in the Sacramento State game. You can probably expect whoever um, whoever Jeremiah Salam is guarding out of those two, Roberson or Chisholm, is probably going to be the first guy that Eastern targets because Salam – Salam's had moments where he looks good for sure this season, but he's also had moments where he is quite clearly getting picked on uh, by opposing defenses or by opposing offenses. Um, I would expect that that's really a matchup that Gunnar Talkington and Aaron Best are going to attempt to hammer away at. I don't think I have anything else. So Eastern's defense, another former Vandal. Uh, it seems like Eastern has just been picking out guys from Idaho to lead their defense Derek Tomasini former backup I believe his younger brother Brett is still on the Idaho team uh double check that for me but I don't remember sorry uh Tomasini family should have been paying more attention to that whoops anyways Derek Tomasini second on the team with 49 tackles a couple tackles for loss he's the guy that's going to fill up the box score from the linebacking crew but none of these guys are screaming out as all conference guys uh there's not like a Ronnie Hamlin running around with his hilariously gross mullet just leveling people they don't really have that this year um they don't even have ty graham flying around the field when he's healthy it's just kind of a bunch of dudes uh they have a transfer in from rice who again never played with eastern before just fresh just like tomasini fresh off the street coming in and and being one of the the leaders of the defense Uh, just not a ton of depth here i do have to shout out though they have the best named player in the entire FCS, much less the Big Sky. Their nickelback, his name is Cage Skank. And if there's a better name than Cage Skank out there, I want to hear it because as a name guy, nothing beats Cage Skank. Breaking news. Brett Tomasini is still on University of Idaho's roster. He is a redshirt freshman from Eagle, Idaho, linebacker number 30, end of breaking news update. So, okay, the Idaho end for sure is the, the jury's in on Idaho. Other than the last week was really the first week that Idaho passed a little bit more than Idaho rushed. And that also makes sense because Idaho was trailing. And that was the easiest, that was how we were effectively able to move the ball in the second half. So pausing there. Idaho's gonna hammer this ground game. Idaho is no question going to uh, that we we know the trio of backs that we cycle through. It's actually four now. Andre Carter's starting to get a little bit of run. So good news for Andre Carter. Uh he's you know, Anthony Woods is still the unquestioned number one. And it's starting to feel like Eli Cummings is the number two with 
uh, Rashawn Johnson being the guy who kind of ha- who punches in touchdowns at the end with Andre Carter now becoming a little bit of a change up. But Idaho's going to just assault Eastern on the ground and milk the clock. I can honestly, this seems like another game where if the if the, the game plan works as intended, the time of possession is going to look like 42 minutes to 18 minutes, something like that, where Eastern's defense is just having the, the weakness of Eastern's having to just live on the field and the offense is having to sit there on ice, likely starting to feel like they need to press as Idaho is able to advance. Cause I, I've watched a good amount of Eastern games guys, including I watched some of the Portland state game, Dallas, you referenced about, you know, who watched that game. Hey, the, this guy watched some of it. I'm not trying to be too simple. Eastern just cannot stop the run whatsoever. This is not going to be something like Eastern, like Sacramento state and Idaho in the first half. This, this is a different kind. Eastern's defense right now is much more analogous to a lower tier FCS conference. So I expect that's going to change at some point. Cause this is a transition year. An underreported storyline from 2021 for Eastern was how many of how many guys that were Bo Baldwin recruits were still on the roster just because Eastern, to their credit, to the to the culture Aaron Best has continued to build, people stay at Eastern. You'd think you'd think a lot of guys who are successful would want to bail on Eastern. Realistically, the only guys who bailed on who really bail on Eastern are guy are they've had a couple big quarterbacks vernon adams who went to oregon and then gage gubrud who went to wsu but to my knowledge gubrud was told hey uh barrier is going to start even if you come back so and you got a medical redshirt man enjoy it people stay at eastern so there's there's a weird transition year where also the schedule has been freakishly tough i mean eastern five big sky conference games out of their eight are going to be against top 15 teams that's honestly just insane every single good team in the in every single team in the top five of the big sky podcast network power rankings montana state sac state weber state idaho montana those are all teams on eastern schedule and then they lost to portland state as well so it's just a rough year for eastern but in this transition they're they're just not they're not where they're probably going to be next year even if you think aaron best isn't the guy it's not possible for eastern defensively to be much worse than they are this year but idaho plays them this year so Idaho gets to just pound them on the ground, which will then then open up the pass like Idaho likes to do for Giovanni McCoy, where the run sets up the pass, sets him up for longer strikes down the field, which is something that is, again, kind of different about the Idaho offense when we pass. It's long. It, it is pretty long strikes, ball traveling at least 10 yards, which not every other team does something like that, which is a long way of saying it doesn't really matter the route Idaho goes offensively. I think they're going to exploit the rush because that's the area Eastern is uniquely bad, but Eastern is just a bad defensive team and Idaho has been an effective offensive team. And something again, guys, we have just continued to talk about how Idaho is just going to pound the Eastern defense. Something that was the eye, eye opener for me when I was doing all the research for this outline. Efton Chisholm, who's probably their best player. He is also their punt returner and their kick returner. He has returned four punts for five yards this year. Four punts for five yards. That's because every other punt that has been made by the opposing team has basically been a touchback or been in the you know the fair catch, like it's in the inside the five, because teams are just moving the ball on on this defense. Idaho obviously is a run heavy team. Eastern can't stop a nosebleed on the ground. Four punts in five, four point, 
four punts for five yards in eight games is really, really, really eye-opening about how bad this defense is. Um, the corners are, aren't terrible. Uh, Marlon Jones Jr. and Demetrius Crosby Jr. Both guys have some pass breakups and some interceptions. Their safeties are decent. The secondary is not necessarily their problem, but they also don't get tested as much because, again, Portland State just ran for 400-plus yards on them. This is this is pretty simple here, guys. Even if Idaho comes out flat like they have in every game that we've projected to be a blowout, even if Idaho comes out flat in the first half, this might not be a game where Idaho puts up 50 or 60 points just because it probably is going to be ball control, really own that time of possession. But this, I just don't see any way that this is not going to be a, a game heavily in Idaho's favor. This just, the matchup here is strength against, uh, biggest strength against biggest weakness. Uh, and I just don't see a way that Eastern makes this even that competitive or fun for much more than e- maybe the first half. No, this is a game that Idaho could put this away early. That hasn't been the rhythm that this team's had for the most part, other than Idaho didn't put away Montana early, but Idaho came to play from the first nap against Montana. There wasn't any sort of big gap where Idaho needed these huge halftime adjustments like, you know, Northern Colorado, like Portland State, and honestly like Sacramento State. But I guess I want to spend a couple seconds going over some individual guys on Idaho because Dallas, we, we hit individual stats, individual rankings some. But look, I have, I'm on a show about Idaho and something that hadn't occurred to me. And this is part of why I just want to, I, I was focusing a little bit on Idaho passing when, again, obviously Idaho's going to rush more than they pass against Eastern like they do every game. Dallas, do you know where Hayden Hatton and Jermaine Jackson rank in the Big, in big Sky Conference receiving conference stats? And the conference stats? No, because yeah. I don't tend to look at those. So I'm going to have to let you read us off this one. So Idaho, again, they... We've only passed it 130 times in Big Sky play with Giovanni McCoy doing 125 of those. Hayden Hatton is the number three receiver in Big Sky play, averaging 97.8 yards per game. And Jermaine Jackson's number four, averaging 96.2 yards per game. Between the two, there's 11 touchdown receptions. Uh, those two guys have been absolutely killing it with Hatton. Hayden Hatton's really picked it up in the second half of the season. Jermaine Jackson's been solid the entire time. Uh, but those are two guys where, look, even on a team that is not passing the ball that much, Idaho's pass, or uh, this is the quarterback position right now. Giovanni McCoy has 100, my bad, 126 attempts on the season, which is the number seven pass, number seven in passing attempts in the big sky. And we have receivers who are kicking ass enough that they have the number three and four receivers on the team. That's how effective they've been. I bring that up because we spent some time talking about Freddie Roberson, Nefton Chisholm, the third, both whom are very good receivers. Idaho has a duo that's more effective that that duo is going to be set up by a ground game led by Anthony Woods. That's going to have room to operate. And I expect, you know, you talked about this being a quote unquote, get right game, not precisely because Sacramento state's good, but I bet for Giovanni McCoy, there's ways where he feels like this is a little bit of a get right game because McCoy, he was off in the first half. He was under duress a lot of the time. So, you know, got to keep that in mind. But McCoy missed some passes in the first half. He doesn't typically miss. I'd expect that's going to be a focal point of, this, of Idaho is getting the win to get to playoff win number six. And UC Davis next week 
though Davis only has wins against shitty teams, Davis is going to have momentum with four wins, having back-to-back-to-back played the bottom four teams in the conference who aren't Eastern Washington. Um, and that that also next week could be a quality win for the Idaho resume. So the, the goal really for me this week is pick up win number six, add some style points. And if there's a couple areas that it'd be you kind of want to iron out in these last couple weeks as Idaho makes a push not only for the playoffs, but to potentially have a first round buy, Idaho probably has to win out for a buy to be on the table at all. But if Idaho wins out, there's no drama about the playoffs. This is the week to take care of those. Yeah, absolutely. This is the this is the week to try to fix some of those last few things that we've we've talked about over the the year as being things that Idaho struggles at. Pass protection protection for one sometimes feels like it's on just firing on all cylinders. Other times it feels like McCoy is running out of the pocket almost immediately because he's just he's getting a little bit of duress. Um, there's some of those small things that need to be cleaned up. The penalties have gotten better. Only four penalties against Idaho last week. So some of those things are are, are looking better. Um, even third down, uh, Idaho went 9, nine of 16 on third down, uh, considerably better than it had been at the beginning of the year. Obviously, you want to still keep pushing that up. You don't want it to be hovering in the mid-50s. You want to start getting that number higher and higher. So there is, there is the aspect of making sure you're doing the right things, making sure that when Eastern does get you into third down, if it's third and two, third and one, run it right at them and get five yards and, and get that confidence that, Hey, you can, you can do this. Hopefully you just build that confidence and you can continue doing it against a team like UC Davis that that game means a whole lot more all of a sudden than it might have last year because, or, or, or even just three weeks ago, because UC Davis is also competing for playoff spots. So we'll obviously get into that next week. But when you look at the way that Idaho schedule lines up here, you have this game to kind of iron out your kinks. You have a, a test next week and then you have the, the rivalry game to end the season that is probably just going to be the hey we're we're looking for style points to get into the into the hopefully the buys the seeds hopefully but again we'll talk about all of that in the future Brian what's kind of your key to the game here for for Idaho or anything anything that we haven't discussed we're about that 40 minute mark where we usually seem to transition but any last thoughts any keys to the game any any anything you want to call out coach best for because he did famously like your flaming dumpster fire tweet last week or last year when this game happened so and brian you're muted jesus christ i knew it was gonna happen god damn it i knew it um so if call out means say something nice about Aaron Best, because I mostly have nice. I like Aaron Best. I, I think he's good for the conference. I like guys who have a little bit of personality. I know people don't like Bobby Houck because he's unbelievably arrogant. So people don't deserve people deserve to not like Bobby Houck. But I like that there's per, that he had, look, he has I'm not saying he has a good personality, but Houck has a personality, at least Jason Eck has personality. It's good for the conference when we have guys like that who who are coaching and uh, you know, we want Eastern to be more six. I want Eastern to be more successful next year, but for, I guess the matchup for me, other than what we've already hit on is look, Idaho's pass defense leads the big sky in interceptions, 10 picks so far in five conference games. Not bad. That's one of the, that's one of the good John Mark triple piece. Brian needs a muted hat. Maybe that's the point I hammer on is how to not hit the mute button or to hit the mute button one or the other but anyway shift, shifting back to the point of the show which is probably the football games 
if Idaho's going to run away with this game, pass defense is one of the ways we absolutely can. Because if Idaho is effective on the ground and then we're able to to force turnovers as Idaho has been able to do all season, often in a pretty timely kind of way against Montana, two picks is part of what turned the tide against Sacramento State. The comeback was touchdowns by Hayden Hatton and back-to-back interceptions for Idaho. So how how well the past Idaho secondary handles the two receivers is is going to be an interesting matchup because I don't I mean Eastern has talent at the skill positions but they're not going to be the most skilled receiving group the Vandals have played this year they they might be the third most talented that Idaho has played but that's a matchup that could favor Idaho other other than maybe Freddie Roberson because he's pretty damn good um, but to hit the playoff point for the four score predictions Dallas. I think Vandal fans should be aware of Idaho now kind of has a gift to close the season, which is of the playoff caliber teams. Idaho easily has the best three game matchup where every team, every team in the top five of the big sky podcast network power rankings is going to play one of the other top five teams, or at least one of them to close out the season. Idaho does not. Idaho's roughest game on paper is UC Davis next week. Eastern is a surprisingly not rough game based off preseason expectations, but between Eastern and Idaho state, those are two games. Idaho certainly should win Eastern's the uh, UC Davis is the only like toss up whatsoever. It's important for Idaho. Obviously we got to pick up wins, have momentum getting into the season, but the Vandals got to take advantage of the schedule gift because the schedule gods give and the schedule gods take. And this is our year for the schedule gods to be looking out for us. The end I'm game for score predictions. No, I mean, Brian, we're, we're literally talking about Idaho winning eight games this year. That is on the table. That is absolutely on the table that Idaho wins eight games this year in Jason X first year running this program. Uh, It is an absolute gift that Idaho has two of the three bottom five teams in the conference to kind of, again, I'm going to use the term get right, even though there's not a whole lot to actually get right from. You have a couple of those get right games to to lead yourself into the playoffs, and it starts right here. Obviously, you wish you would have won last week. Nobody wants to lose, but losing to the number two team by three and then having three games you should be favored in to end the year, you can't be too wrong about that. I do have to shout out, I'm assuming I know who wrote this comment. Uh, Tubs of the Club commenting on the Tubs of the Club YouTube stream of this. You mean Martin was fucking right for preseason predictions. So I just got to shout it out there. Martin, sunshine and rainbows might have worked this year. We might be talking about an Idaho team winning eight games. But the last piece I wanted to touch on today, guys, the Alex Boatman Memorial Special Teams Talk of the Week. Seth Harrison is back as the starting kicker for the Eastern Washington Eagles, returning to the Kibbe Dome, the place that ruined his career. He was once one of the best kickers in the Big Sky, started 12 for 12, missed a 50-yarder in the Kibbe Dome, and then missed that 24-yard field goal that bounced off of the scoreboard. The kid has gone 12 of 23 since that miss. If for some reason this is a close game, do not count on Seth Harrison to be the guy making the winning field goal. And then lastly, uh, their punter, Nick Kokic, excuse me, Kokic. It is Kokic. It is not Kokic. So if you say Kokic, you are wrong. It is not Kokic. Again, not Kokic. It is Kokic. Nick Kokic averages 43 and a half yards a punt. Uh, He's one of the top hunters in the conference. He's one of the top two, realistically. So 
special teams is something Eastern does kind of well, which is good for them, I guess. But again, it, it's not enough to, to change things around here, guys. Well, you brought up a point. I'm going to hit special teams for a second, too, which the, the only point really fried of special teams wise is uh, there is a guy who kind of needs to get right which is our kicker, Ricardo Chavez, who started out the season. What is he started out either 11 or 11 or 12 for 12. And since the, since missing his first field goal in Montana, he's, he's two of his last five. So, you know, he's got the form early in the season. I said, he looks like a pro because he did. Uh, this is a game where look, if Chavez, maybe this is where Chavez can get it right. He hasn't been missing extra points. Like Seth Harrison, his come apart was, I just don't even know if he knows how to kick anymore. I don't know how he still is the kicker for Eastern. Don't mean that to make fun of him, but like that's the level come apart's been. Chavez still hasn't missed a point after, so he's he's still hitting those. Uh, but getting back to mid to mid season to early season form for, for Chavez has to be a goal heading into the playoffs because look, we're Idaho. Idaho had a tough game for sure against Sacramento State. That's always a team a team as good as Sacramento State. It's always going to be a small thing or two that can change the outcome of the game. And you already brought it up. Look, Idaho loses by three and Idaho missed a field goal. Not saying it's Chavez's fault that we lost the game because a lot of things could have happened that would have changed the result. But those three points, look, it was a three-point game. So obviously they mattered. So fingers crossed that uh, this is a week Chavez can get back to that season, early season form because if Idaho's going to make the playoffs, we're going to play, we're going to play some better teams. And we know that close games very often are dictated by is the field goal in or is the field goal not? One last thing before we get to score predictions. Uh, just a hard transition there, Brian. I, I had nothing for it. I'm sorry. Really doing a professional job tonight. Coach Eck did tweet on Twitter today, uh, as opposed to tweeting on YouTube or tweeting on, I don't know, uh, Tinder or whatever. I don't know. Uh, if you're looking live uh, or watching this YouTube on replay, there's this nice little trophy. You can kind of see it says Annual Governor's Cup 1984 Idaho versus EWU. I don't know where they found the trophy, but Eck tweeted, today we found a traveling trophy that we didn't know about. It had a short life from 1984 to 1987. Should we bring it back? Brian, I have one question for you. Should we bring this back? And I lied. I have two questions for you. Should we change the name from the Governor's Cup? I'm fine with Governor's Cup. Look, until there's an actual name for the Eastern Idaho game, I know there were there's been a few bandied about by... Uh, former hosts of this show, um, no no name that is stuck colloquially, let's say, and certainly there's no official name that Eastern Idaho has been able to come up with. But look, the Governor's Cup is fine. Like the only issue is Eastern has a Governor's Cup game against Montana, so I don't know how many Governor's Cups can be collected in a given season. Uh, but plural sounds like it might be one more than you'd hope for. But look, I, I don't got a good name. I'm actually fine with keeping the Governor's Cup name because there's we're talking about trying to have the rivalry with Eastern built up, which the only way it's going to truly build up is naturally from close games and both sides winning games. And, you know, like Eastern beating the shit out of us last year probably did help the rivalry because there's some guys this year who are going to want to beat the shit out of Eastern. But I kind of look, I mostly like older trophies much more than newer ones. I, I don't mind trying to have a little connected tissue to heritage, you know, pre 21st century. I think that, there are some fans that's going to connect with not just people like me who just like older trophies, but people who are actually at the school at that time who still buy tickets and go to games. So I'm fine keeping a trophy like that. I'm fine having um, fine having another trophy game. I like Tom Kendall's idea of calling it the Patty Cup. Maybe that'll help uh, 
one of our favorite listeners handle the uh, emotional difficulty of his current team, Idaho, be likely being the shit out of his for life team Eastern. But to answer both questions as long as possible, yeah, I want the trophy. Yeah, we can name it something. Score predictions. I also like the trophy. I hate the name Governor's Cup. I hope they come up with something better. But you can keep that trophy. It is cool. It's old school. That brings us to score predictions. Martin Hammer has joined the chat, joined the live stream. Producer, seducer, Martin Hammer. Score prediction. I... I really want to get cocky with this one and go with something like what Eastern did to us last year, but just from past Idaho games, I think it'll be... I'll, I'm going to go Idaho 56, Eastern 20. An average Eastern game in Big Sky play right now is Eastern losing 36.5 to 27.2. I don't think this is going to be an average game for the Eagles. I'd expect Idaho... I don't, I don't think we're going to hang 50, but I'll because I think Idaho's not going to try to hang 50, but I'll say 45, 17. Fuck you, Brian. I have to put this out there. Uh, I already wrote Idaho 45, 17 in the outline as my score prediction. Jesus I know Christ. Brian did okay, not read okay, that. Okay. 45, 20, <laughs> 45, 20. You can have your score prediction and correct. There's not a prayer that I read that, but okay. 45, 20, my bad. And it's not because of two Seth Harrison field goals. It's a miss Seth Harrison extra point. There we go. I like that. That is that is pretty. I do think Harrison or Hawkins, as, uh, as Patty says, Hawkins has been the one kicking. Harrison is listed as the kicker on the depth chart. If Hawkins is kicking, you know what? Hey, let's say he gets a field goal. We've got a bunch of comments in here. Everybody's thinking the same thing, guys. Every single person, except for Jalen Drake, has picked a giant blowout. Uh, well, I mean, Patty picked the vandals by 15 but for him that's like picking idaho by 100 jalen drake the only person picking 21 20 nice and close game there everybody else picking an idaho blowout that takes us to hughes river expeditions if you are looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation don't look past your backyard venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental united states located right here in the great state of idaho Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. And you can even check out special trips like one to see the Persed Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire country. Just bring your clothes and let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976, and they're ready to take you on a vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the Gem State. Call them now at 800-262-1882, or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Motherfucker. Oh, we got spicy there. Uh, <laughs> all right. That, that takes us to... My personal game of the week, Northern Colorado at top five Portland State, which Brian had an interesting tidbit about the cost of these tickets. Brian, if you'd like to introduce how much tickets to the vaunted Northern Colorado at Portland State game are currently going for. This is according to ESPN.com. Tickets, you guys, I know this is a vandal show, but honestly, we all need to change our plans. Tickets right now, 
in Hillsboro to see Portland State host the host Northern Colorado and the nepotism train. Ten dollars right now. I like. Is there any better deal than that whatsoever? Yes, not having to go to the game is a better deal. But that's the game we're obviously starting at. Northern Portland State riding a ferocious. It's a one game winning streak, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Idaho. Hey, it's a ton for them. <sighs> yeah, um, man. I'm gonna go Portland State. I still. I'm kind of curious to see how Northern Colorado. They were on bye last week. Ed McCaffrey was interviewed by the Greeley Tribune, or I don't know who interviews Ed McCaffrey. Some people do. And in short, Ed McCaffrey, after Northern Colorado lost by like 48 to Montana State, like it was like 58 to 10, uh, made a comment about how if Dylan was not the starter, it would have been a catastrophe for Northern Colorado. Definitely throwing other guys under the bus to make sure that he was pat, patting Dylan's back. Which, by the way, Dylan McCaffrey's had a much better season this year than he, than he did last season. I really think the big issue is the other son, Max McCaffrey. But there are some quotes that Ed McCaffrey had that I remember reading those and thinking, who the hell is going to want to play for this guy? I'm counting the players on his team right now. He's making this big a deal about his son. So I guess I'm cur- I'm looking to see if Northern Colorado has another implosion in them. Portland State. Martin, that's you. <laughs> I'm going to keep it short and sweet, Portland State. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, thank you, Turner Webb, for correcting us. Uh, top five Portland State over Northern Colorado, but I am going to pick this one. It's pretty close. If I had to put a score on it, this is a one-score game uh, for sure. Honestly, I'd, I'd probably go within three points. Seems like most everybody else in the comment thread is saying about that is the 3-4. Like These are just two mediocre teams battling it out to see who sucks more. It's really all that's going on. Are you sure Northern Colorado is mediocre? I mean, I think they'd be mediocre if they didn't have the McCaffrey family around. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Which obviously when that's most of your team, that's not it. But I think that this, I think that would be a mediocre team if they had anybody that knew what they were doing at the head coach, offensive coordinator or quarterback positions. Anyways, Idaho state at UC Davis, Martin, we'll go to you first. UC Davis. Yeah, the number one total offense in the big sky is UC Davis, averaging 550 yards per game. They're the number two scoring team, averaging just under 42 per game. Davis can move the ball both through the air and on the ground. We've talked about Elonzo Gilliam as a top two, probably number two running back in the league. The jury's in the most effective starting quarterback this season has been Miles Hastings, 18 touchdowns, one pick, 332 yards per game, leads the big sky. So, yeah, Davis is going to have a big game. And uh, just going to set the set the stage for another fun matchup next week in Idaho. Yeah, as much as I like to make fun of Cody Hawkins for being the most egregious example of nepotism, that's not Mason Petrino or the McCaffrey family. He might be a decent coach. He was not a good player, but he might be a decent coach. Their offense rolls, and they're going to destroy Idaho State. Um, there's no way that they're looking past Idaho State to this week. Even if they were, I don't think Idaho State has anything uh, that would be even close to competing with Davis, especially because Xavier Guillory probably isn't going to play this week after he got arrested for a DUI. So their best player is gone. That game's uh, – why am I still talking about this game? Davis by a mile. Cal Poly at Montana. Is this even a question for me? I'm going to go with Bo Baldwin and his magic against Montana. Go Cal Poly. Dallas, would it shock you to learn that the worst offense in the big sky in conference play is Montana? 
No, not in, not at all, actually. It's also by a long shot. The Grizz are averaging 314 yards per game, which is 37 yards. Uh, there's some symmetry here. There's a huge gap between Eastern being the worst rushing defense and the second worst rushing defense, Northern Colorado. Well, the second worst offense is Northern Colorado, 351 yards per game. Montana's well below that at 314. Uh, the intrigue is if Lucas Johnson from Montana is back. He's a starting quarterback who was hurt against Sacramento State and has not seen the field for a couple weeks. Chris Brown has played in relief and don't mean to put Chris Brown down. I mean, I'm sure he's – and obviously he works hard, whatever. He's not a big sky level starting quarterback, and Montana's not been creative enough to even try to use him in any sort of way if he had the skill set, which he doesn't. So Montana's going to beat Cal Poly because Cal Poly has, like the worst def- has a defense that makes Eastern look almost interesting. Uh, and this is a little bit of a run of two games for Montana to get some momentum back before – uh, I mean, Montana's fighting for their playoff live for the next three weeks, and I think they're going to pick up a pretty easy win here. Uh, fingers crossed for the Grizz. If you're, you should have your fingers crossed for the Grizz as, as an Idaho fan, because we need that Montana win to remain a good win. But what you're looking for from the Idaho end is, uh, can Montana move the ball a little bit against one of the shittiest defenses in the league? Maybe that pretends something in the future. Yeah, the, I don't think this is going to be a blowout by any means. Montana's offense, it obviously looks better when when uh, Lucas Johnson's in there, but it, it's not. Not that when Chris Brown is in it, it's it's not like it's particularly great when Johnson's in. It's mediocre to just plain terrible. But you're rolling into Cal Poly, the worst team in the league. Uh, I mean, I guess that's debatable, but they're the only team without a conference win. Uh, Montana, it's not going to be a blowout, but Montana has to win this game to save their season or attempt to save their season. It might already be done, but this is just not not going to be a, not going to be a game Cal, Cal Poly can win. I appreciate Steve Kurtz saying that it's it's going to be their fourth straight loss. I don't see it happening. I I selfishly I would love to see it cuz again, fuck the Grizz like everybody's saying. But realistically if you're trying to take the neutral party here, Idaho desperately needs Montana to at least look decent the rest of the year to make sure that that looks good on the resume. That takes us to two games that are much Game's not interesting either. Montana State at NAU. I'm going to go with Montana State. It shouldn't not be close. Yeah, Montana State's the most effective rushing team in the league, even a little bit more in Sacramento State, averaging six yards per rush, 16 team touchdowns, big sky play, 300 yards per game on the ground, uh, which, just spoiler alert, NAU is not going to be able to stop that. NAU's rush defense is real. Uh, they're bottom half of the league. It's not, they're not dumpster fire bad, but they're certainly not good. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's a lot of drama here. I think Montana State's going to throttle NAU. Montana State, they have their eyes on, they've got two shitty games and then close the year at hosting Montana with the goal of killing the Grizz playoff hopes to close the season. So, yeah, Montana wins pretty, Montana State wins easy. Uh, Curiously, if Sean Chambers is back from Montana State, he sat out the last game. He's played both quarterback and running back as a running as a running back. He's the number three rusher in the Big Sky on a per game basis at 109 yards per game. So, seeing if he's healthy and how Montana State uses him is probably the only interesting point for me. Yeah, I think the the only interesting thing here is is Chambers going to play, and are they going to use this as a, like a warming him back up, or is he going to sit this out and give him an extra week of rest? That's the only interesting thing about this game. NAU is going to get smoked by by Montana State. It, it's not hard. This is this is the biggest lock on this this roster here for this week. 
pretty rough game, rough week of games, guys. So we're ending with the one actually good game: Sacramento State at Weber State. Two top five teams going at it. Martin, we go to you first. I am going to go with Weber State. This is a tough one to me on both ends because Weber State, their offense has sputtered a little bit in the second half of the season. It's not it's not Jay Hill of old, but it's they're not scoring 40 points a game like they had been earlier. And this week against Montana, Weber State surrendered 112 total yards and found a way to almost lose that game at home. Uh, Sacramento State, on the other hand, narrowly beat Montana, a game they probably should have lost and then almost gave the game away against Idaho after dominating for about three quarters. So look, every team has, every team has a notch or two uh, that we we've seen, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I just don't think Weber state's rush defense is as it's not elite in my mind. It's still very good, but I don't think it's going to be enough against Sacramento state. I'm kind of a believer after watching Sacramento state against Idaho. And I, I just, I just don't think Weaver's going to get quite enough points. I think they're fading a little bit in that direction. I also, I think Sacramento State sees that co- a share of that conference championship, and they just weathered two rough storms. It showed the team's got some character. Um, so no, I, I expect they're gonna they're gonna handle the Wildcats, and I think we're gonna be looking at another undefeated conference season for Sacramento State. See, Brian started talking me into it here. Uh, but I'm going to stick with my initial gut, which was Weber in a very, very, very close game. And the only reason I'm picking Weber is because they are the home team. Sac State has had two obviously very close victories in Montana and Idaho. It remains to be seen if number seven, Montana, who again, if Lucas Johnson plays the, that whole game, they probably lose that game. Honestly, if the officials have a different angle of one of those catches on the sideline, they probably lose that game. Idaho goes in there, just about beats them. They're going now on the road to Weber State. It feels like this is the time, at least the way I'm reading this, it feels like the time for them to to finally crack and lose a game. I feel like Weber State is is the game that's going to be that um, and, and just kind of cause chaos in the big sky where there's going to be a whole bunch of teams with one loss and you just hope that Montana beats Montana State and just really blows open what the big sky championship is going to be because there will be enough teams with one loss we get into the fun math of trying to figure out who it is and maybe there's some co-champs who knows picking weber that's all i got guys martin do we have a martin minute update today yes we do first women's game of the season they actually they won it they won their exhibition game against seattle pacific i want to say it was 87 51 something like that i can't remember the exact score yeah, a seven fifty one, and they looked really good. It was very much what I would want to see out of the team coming out of out of an exhibition game before they get their season rolling. They the team looked good. They looked a lot better than last year. I don't expect, and I hopefully not another ten game losing streak where I go mental in the Discord on a rant. But it was looked good. They have more than they have a lot of contributors in there to like they play. They can play the post and they're big. The bigs. Uh, I don't like to hype freshmen up, but Rosa Rosa Smith looks really good as a freshman. Potentially could be conference player of the year. They just it looked good, and they have a lot of contributors here, so it should hopefully not be just a 
the same seven, eight players playing this year. It could be like a, this team is, has a lot of depth this year. That does it for the Martin Minute. Brian, any last words? No, dudes. Just get to the game. It's buy one, get one ticket still going, right? For the Eastern game? I think so. That was definitely announced on Twitter that tickets are buy one, get one for the Eastern game. So if you don't have your tickets, man, it's, it is going to be hard to get cheaper tickets than that. But yeah, call Ty in the ticket office, guys. Um, ticket sales look a little bit better for this game, but... This is not like Idaho can't. If if you can get to a game, guys, you got to. This is a kick-ass season. If you haven't seen them yet, you got to at least see the Vandals live once. Eastern's a good game to do it. Marching towards the playoffs. I got to head out. See you guys later. Just a, uh, one last reminder, guys. If you like what we're doing, if you hate what we're doing, if you don't care about what we're doing, patreon.com backslash only, only tubs, or it's actually backslash tubs of the club but i'd love to change it to only tubs someday <laughs> you can join our discord the hashtag only tubs discord where we we try to give you guys a little bit of the insider knowledge that we sometimes have otherwise it's just a good place to to hang out and talk with people um talk with a bunch of other vandal fans we have different game threads every week so you're, you can be in there like raging or celebrating or whatever it might be um definitely run into a quite a handful of people at the games in the dome Feel free to come up and say hi to us. Uh, feel free to come up and tell us to go to hell. Uh, whatever you want to say, I, I mean, I will stand here and take it. Again, if you love us, hate us, don't like us, don't care for us, patreon.com backslash times of the club. Subscribe to our YouTube. Do all the things that you know every content creator has to pitch at the end because, again, you guys are helping us keep the lights on. So thank you for, for those of you who are contributing. Thank you for those of us, those of you who just listened to us, who have subscribed, who have liked or unliked or retweeted or taken away a retweet or posted hateful comments online. Every little bit of interaction that we get only helps us grow, only keeps us more motivated to keep doing this stuff. So thank you guys and girls and go Vandals. Go Vandals. Uh -huh.